You're listening to the Handmade CEO Podcast. My name is Maria Lauren, small business owner and creative entrepreneur. Each week we'll discover the steps and motivation that inspire our guests to create income from their skills. Get ready to start learning how to creatively pursue your dream job by crafting it yourself. Thank you for joining me on another episode of The Handmade CEO. My next guest is none other than my amazingly talented sister-in-law, Eden. Shortly after giving birth, she discovered that there was an empty space in the market waiting for her passion and innovation to come to life. She's an expert at taking ideas and turning them into successful products. I honestly feel I could do an entire month of episodes on all of her innovations. Get ready to take notes on this one and listen till the end to hear the offers that Nisa has for you. Hi, Eden. Welcome to the show. Hi, Maria. Thank you for having me. I feel like I've watched your business, Nisa, go from crawling to walking to running. Can you tell us a little bit about your business and how the idea came to life? For sure. And thank you for being along for that journey. (laughs) Um, So Nisa is a women's well-being brand. And we entered the market only last year, but we launched uh, over a year ago. The mission or the inspiration behind Nisa was to create products and conversation around the transformative times that women go through in life. And we launched with a focus in postpartum. That was mainly because it was the area that we were the most angry about. We are three founders, myself and my good friend, Mia Clark, and my other good friend, Aubrey Howard. And we all had babies within six months of each other, Mm. all different ways, uh, different birth journeys, different hospitals, but kind of all had the same experience after birth. There just wasn't products that were made for us to help us recover when it concerned self-care and how to prepare for the baby. It was very baby-focused or is very pregnancy-focused, but had absolutely no idea what to expect for after the baby came out, especially when it came to how we heal and how we take care of ourselves. I like make a joke sometimes, but I was working and continue to work in some part in the restaurant industry, and I told everybody that I'd be back within three and a half weeks. Oh, (laughs) how did I pick that number? I don't know. But I made, I scheduled meetings. I planned on participating, giving a talk at a conference. Um, Yeah, I mean, it was crazy. And and there were parents that were around me and they were like, no, that's too aggressive. I didn't know the questions to ask. I definitely didn't have the language to even contemplate what was going to happen to my body after I gave birth. And then what we really discovered is that there just weren't products. For some people, they do have to go back to work. They're still healing. There's so little to help them support that. So we started NISA. NISA, it means new beginnings and women in Arabic and Greek. And we put a lot of effort towards our first innovation. We decided the thing we wanted to tackle first were mesh underwear. I kind of anecdotally often mentioned that for me personally, I went through birth for over 30 hours. For, for anyone who hasn't experienced it, it can be very traumatic on your body. Oh, and, yes. <laughs> and then and afterwards, they like wheeled me to the room. And it was just so much, as, right, is like happening inside your body. You're just like, oh, my God, I cannot believe that experience just happened. And the nurse handed me this mesh one size fits all, pretty much see through, pretty poorly designed, kind of like flimsy pair of underwear. like a hair net almost, right? right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You can see through it. And she handed me that. 
And then this kind of like puppy pee pad, it's like a, you know, like that big like pad that you use for training small animals. And she was like, just fold this up. You fold this up uh, several times. And she kind of showed me. And then an ice pack. And the ice pack was like the hard plastic ice pack that you would use for like a picnic. And she was like, and then you put that on your like very broken body. And I said, I I said, like, are you kidding? And she said, congratulations, mama. And I was like, I was like, no way we can fix this. And mine and Aubrey's background had been in product development and innovation in the beverage space. We have a cocktail consultancy called 10 Inc. And we've had it for five years. And even before that, we had a women only cocktail catering and beverage design company called She. So mm-hmm. we've consistently had clients come to us and be like, make something. So the idea of innovating or creating a product around trying to solve a problem felt very comfortable for us. We would have either big agencies or individual people come to us and say, can you make a product that is blue and uses juniper? Because they were working with a client that had a surplus of juniper. And that- okay felt very comfortable for us. We know how to pivot and innovate quickly when it comes to products. We had never been in the apparel space. So we knew that one of our first hurdles was trying to understand apparel because we wanted to solve on this mesh underwear. We knew we could create something. There hadn't been innovation in that space for over 50 years. So it was it was just a really good opportunity that we we knew we could solve on. Mia, her background is in brand strategy. She's worked with a firm for the last six years as someone who kind of thinks about the holistic picture and where the product might already exist, but then what is the identity of the brand? How do you communicate that to consumers? How are you being thoughtful in pretty much every step of the way? So mm-hmm. for us as a team, it felt like the perfect combination. Yeah, it's like you were meant to be together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, except when we get mad at each other. No, I'm just kidding. We, we rarely do. <laughs> we communicate really, really well. I'm sure. So, and it helped that we were friends. I will say that I've learned, especially as we're now meeting with investors, that mm-hmm. you have to not only be prepared when you're creating a team look at how you're going to deal with the hard times, not how you're going to celebrate the good times. Those are kind of a given, but like how you're going to move through challenges. And then also that you're going to have to defend your team, why you're all the experts in the area that you put yourself as experts in, in your own business to strangers. Because if you're going to go through a model of trying to get investment, they don't know you. (laughs) And they might think it's a good idea, but especially nowadays, it feels that a huge amount of emphasis is put on the people and the team that are leading Mm -hmm. the company. So, Well, it makes sense because at the end of the day, that's really who's going to have to carry the company through thick and thin, like during a really difficult time if you're not a strong, you know, marketer, like what, sure. what's going to happen there. So it's really important. I think that people do look at that as opposed to just the product itself. So I think yeah. that's really important. I would say even more because of the brand strategy, there was this huge amount of stress to get it right. I wanted to launch four months earlier. and Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. 
And I was like very eager, but it was really, and at that time, all just coming from within that was like, we have to enter with everything complete. Packaging has to look the way we want it to and the website and that sort of thing. Of course, mm-hmm. doing that all operating extraordinarily lean and with like very little capital. So we did. We created Fourthware and Fourthware underwear is double patented. It is actually the first underwear to exist that holds ice and heat anywhere in the garment. So Fourthware is made for the fourth trimester. It's empathetically designed in that it's pretty much seamless so that it doesn't irritate your skin after you right. give birth. It can go over the belly or you can roll it down for under the belly because startlingly very opinionated differences on how people like to wear things after after birth. Um, (laughs) Right. Which it makes, it totally makes sense. And then a widened gusset so it can like hold pads. We use post-consumer recyclables for the fabric. So it's very supple and stretchy, but it's still much more eco-friendly than the disposable mesh underwear. It holds ice or heat anywhere. And we created an ice pack, but that intellectual property with FDA regulations takes a while. So that doesn't even come out until May 16th. And that's an ice pack that's designed to help with perineal healing. And then Fourthware entered the market at the end of last year through our website. And then we've had a few shops that have brought it on. We decided to take away any real efforts towards uh, pushing sales anywhere other than through our website and through like marketing and bringing people through the site for now. The other big part for Nisa was not just the product and then the next products that will come out, that it was also around the language. A lot of what we didn't know about the fourth trimester or parenthood was because we don't say these things out loud. And we term those the unmentionables. And that kind of serves as a guiding light for us for next products. Everything has to solve an unmentionable. We have a podcast called Unmentionables with the people that we bring on. We want to know in our heads that they're talking about those or to those, um, whether it's a scientist talking about debunking theories about babies or, or an OBGYN or a midwife talking about expectations on women's health Mm -hmm. after you have a baby. And then we have a few channels for that. Our social media, like everybody, but then we try to do like long form pieces in a journal that we host on our website, but that gets shared. That's awesome. That's really great. Yeah, because it seems to me like Nisa is way more than just an undergarment company. And it, it just feels like the products and the messaging are starting to change the way the world views the whole birth and afterwards, you know, the fourth trimester, it does feel like something you don't want to talk about. It's yeah. something you just keep to yourself or you don't want to mention to anybody. And I think our society values women being tough or, you know, I don't know, you just, you're not supposed to talk about certain things. So it makes a lot of sense that there is a market for it and that people are probably really excited to, you know, hear somebody just being honest about it. I think you're absolutely right. Up till now, the expectation has been to suffer through to DIY hack your way through. Mm -hmm. And a few things happened. We started to see a shift in culture where we're seeing like celebrities start to talk about it. Serena Williams, Chrissy Teigen, like actresses really trying to kind of make some visibility 
to this where they were like, wow, this was surprising. I didn't know this was going to happen. But like also on a fundamental side, as far as the business goes, I mean, it was absolutely also a decision not to show too much behind the curtain, but really to keep it honest and keep it real is that when you do have a product, if you have to also create education around the product, like finding a way to make that kind of streamlined and part of the journey for a customer, because otherwise Mm -hmm. you're expecting everyone to take that leap without you. With something like this, we're not getting our information from our doctors. Like I had an incredible OBGYN, but she'd never told me what to expect after birth. She didn't tell me what products to get. I didn't know to ask that question. She didn't tell me because that wasn't necessarily her priority. The way we get that information is by telling each other yeah, there's a big gap there. There's totally. a big gap between, you know, they, they do prep you really well for up to the birth. And then you get a lot of information from the doctor once your baby's born, like, okay, this is how you take care of your child. But there's that gap between the the birth to what, what do you do? You know, right. how do you take care of yourself? It's awesome that you noticed it. I think a lot of the times what happens with us is that you go to the hospital and the and the hospitals look amazing. The birthing rooms are like suites. So I think you're expecting to get this pampering afterwards. And totally. it feels very spa-like when you walk into some of these hospitals. And then you're really just left there to figure it out on your own. 100%. I felt like I had so much attention on me throughout my pregnancy and even through my delivery that it was like kind of shocking afterwards to not have resources, to not have a way to gauge if the pain that I was feeling is what the pain I'm supposed to be feeling. Am I supposed to be bleeding that much? What's supposed to be coming out of me now? At the very end of my delivery, I think my heart rate was up and they Mm -hmm. were checking the baby. And I'll always remember this. There was a question that I must have asked or something I asked. And they said, you're not the patient. The baby's the patient. And yeah, and it was really striking to me. We have uh, an incredible uh, OBGYN that's on our board of advisors and Mm -hmm. uh, she's with Rush. And I asked her that. She did explain to me that the parameters that doctors use are planned out by the committees that kind of give out the materials or the initiatives to all the doctors in a field. And about four years ago, it was baby first. And the Mm -hmm. movement was baby first. And it meant pushing all these things towards baby, which was really great. They were trying to help with baby mortality. But what happened and went by the wayside is like mother health and mother mortality. Mm -hmm. And our mortality rate in the United States is pretty staggering. And we realized after several years that now we need to start talking about mother's health, because if nobody is monitoring, should a mom be feeling that pain after birth? Should they be bleeding that much? Then that's why we're having so many issues with mothers after giving birth. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't remember getting any information saying this is... um normal, this is abnormal. It just was more or less, they gave you a little kit with those mesh underwear, big pads, which I thought they were supposed to be like for the bed or something. I don't know. And then I think they gave you like tux, the hemorrhoid pads. So um, yeah, so that was kind of a challenge when, you know, I ran out of some of these supplies and I had Justin 
go buy some more at Jewel and he came back with Depends. <laughs> and I'm like, I think this is not what I'm supposed to be using. But, yeah. you know, I don't know, maybe it would have worked. But it was just there was so much. I don't want to say it was misinformation. There just wasn't information. Right. For Nisa, we really dove deep into that. And we realized that it's, it is not just in the fourth trimester. For us, that was, again, glaring recent, and we were pretty PO'd. But that I also, when I've had any kind of gynecological procedure, I, I remember that I had to get something done in college, and I rode my bike, and I had no idea. It was like a two-mile bike ride. So I had to, after, no one told me that I would bleed. No one told me that I would be, have discomfort. So I had to walk my bicycle home afterwards. And like when thinking about just everything from puberty to the giant glaring one for all of us is menopause. We have absolutely no idea what to expect. We have no products made for us other than hormone treatments. And there's no conversation because, oh my gosh, you can't talk about a woman getting older. So- Nisa really is for all these transformative times. And what we did is we took the technology of Forthware and we revised it and made another line called Vware, V-I-E, uh, which means life in French. And mm-hmm. it has a much uh, less of a silhouette. It's meant to be worn underneath um, your clothes. And it uses the same technology of the ice or the heat pack. It really was speaking to directly to customers that were responding to the fourthware and saying, this is killer, but I had my baby five years ago. I wish I had something like this for endometriosis. Uh, we had a lot of doctors say for hysterectomies, for any gynecological procedures, for period pain. That one's huge. Oh, yeah. To yeah. be able to have. And we'd been, as a team, we'd been using fourthware since last year for periods. We were like, sweet, oh. we have these samples. <laughs> we just like put heat packs in. And then all of a sudden we were like, oh my God, why aren't we making this for other people to use for their periods? Right. Yeah. So VWare enters the market this summer. We also use the scraps of our fourthware to produce um, bralettes that are just really comfortable and very easy for nursing if you want to use it for that. Those come out this summer. And then we created a not, our first non-apparel product that is mm-hmm. meant for self-care and that is called V-Vision and that will come out this summer. Awesome. And then do you have other plans for more products? We do. So fourth where kind of our, I guess, innovation pipeline is that we'll have an item that comes out in fourth where or fourth care every six months. So Right now, we're kind of looking at licensing agreements because there are some really amazing products that do exist that I think could benefit from exposure to our audience and our branding and that knowing as a business that it is very expensive, definitely to secure IP, but also to create products for everything. We, we're really good at ideas and then we just want to create, but it takes a lot of capital and it takes a lot of effort. So I'm trying to find some ways that will still fall in line with our model, but will allow us to l- release more products quicker. And then we are tackling menopause and perimenopause. And by our first products for those will come out by the end of the year. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. That's so awesome. You did really cool. 
Okay, so I think you guys have done an amazing job with researching everything, like from your funding to raw products and makers. Can you unravel the fear of not knowing where to start? I know a lot of times we have that fear of we're not sure where to begin. I don't know if you can just dive into that a little. Well, I'd say that starting even right there, the not knowing the answers. There's oftentimes that you're going to get hit with hurdles, maybe right from the jump, or maybe it'll be like 10 days in when you're really excited and your momentum gets interrupted because you're like, oh no, I have to make a website and I don't know how, or I have to find out about the FDA and I don't know how. Right now we have an insane amount of resources that may not be obvious to us, but I would like to invite you to join me and the millions of people already learning a new skill on Skillshare. If you want to learn more about SEO for your small business or maybe take a class on iPhone photography, Skillshare has a class for you with thousands of classes ranging from art to business. I'm certain you'll find something that will take your skill set to a whole new level. Get two months of premium free when you try it out with the link in the show notes. Now back to the show. Yeah, start with Google and start asking questions. And the first year and a half of NISA, I cold called pretty much every resource. And not all of them were successful. But like, for instance, I wanted to start a business. I already knew that the structure of the business I wanted, I didn't want an LLC because I wanted it to grow. I wanted a company that would grow quickly. I didn't want an organically grown company. So I started Mm -hmm. to look at what the best structure is for that. If you're not growing organically, you probably are going to look for more formalized investment at some point. And what do, let's say, VCs or angel investors look for? Well, they look for corporations that are formed in states that have very easy tax law. Okay. So like, all right, and then I think I'm going to form in Delaware. Now, whether or not that was a mistake, I'll know in like four years. But you got to make, if you can't, you at some point, you got to just go for it. So things like that. So started to do that. But then I don't know about how the IRS, like the information they need. Well, I can look or I just call them. And I will say I am a very big cold caller. I will just call. And I will, I will call, I called the FDA and I said, hi, my name is Eden. What do I have to put on an ice pack I'm designing? And they're like, what? And then, but, but most of the time, I would say like 90% of the time, people are patient and will give mm-hmm. you something that will lead you to your next like stepping stone. And okay. I, my I, growth in any company that I've participated in has 100% been on this idea of don't get in your way and don't be scared. If you, if you have the foundation, then push forward and just try. And Mm -hmm. the worst case is that it won't work, but you'll learn why. And the hope is that the whole thing doesn't come crumbling down, that like maybe one piece doesn't work and then you can like pivot and learn and keep moving forward. Every single new product is a challenge. Like it's almost like micro businesses because, you know, right now we were in the midst of prototyping with a company in China. It is, I don't want to say impossible, but absolutely improbable that we'd find a U.S. partner that A, has the foundation to produce this product that we're making and Mm -hmm. would do it at the scale we're at. And then on top of which could make it at a margin that we could sell it where 
consumers won't be like, that's insane. And so right. a lot of people want things made in the States, but don't necessarily want to pay for it, myself included. So exactly. Then, yeah. Yes. So you have to continually look at all the parts uh, separately and how they work together. I would say another tool for success is finding a way to manage all these separate parts. Project management is like your fourth partner in a business. Like whatever software you're using, whatever system that you're using, if you want to build your business so it can grow, if you are not organized, then it won't. And you can't Mm -hmm. bring in new people. You can't have vendors. Uh, you won't be able to have deliverables if if you're not kind of monitoring, tracking all these moving parts. We've used a lot of different programs. Google Drive is free. Start there. Then go to more sophisticated things. We use Asana right now. We've had countless meetings about what project management software we're going to use and how we're going to organize it and how we uh, interact with it. That's the only way you can have four different products being made by four different vendors that all have their own packaging at the same time. When you're three people in a pandemic and you all are in separate households and can't meet in person. Yeah. And one not even being in the US right now, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) A lot of times the challenges that come across, for instance, my partner who is UK born, we always knew at some point would would go back to the UK or at least spend half the year there. That was always her goal. When the time was appropriate for her and her family was probably a really, really, really bad time for us as a company. I think we had just launched. And there was moments where I'm thinking, is this where it ends? Yeah, that would feel scary. It was so, I I mean, there's, and then you also have to deal with your own stuff. Like uh, your friend is leaving or feeling like your partner is leaving. And so I started to like separate it out. And I was like, what does this mean as the business? Does this have to be the end? No. Let's look at how we rework things. And it's great. I mean, we're on a video call for six hours every Monday and Tuesday and her either her face or her voice is right next to mine. We're typing at the same time, just working together as if we were in the same room. Yeah. Technology has really come a long way where it really feels like organizing and managing every project to being able to talk to somebody who's another country away, it just seems like we have everything at our fingertips. So it's just a matter of making it work. Maybe as you say that, the word that I'm thinking of too is adaptability. And I will say we're definitely patient, but there are certain vendors or people that we could have worked with that have not adapted. That if I sense that they are not going to scale with us, either in time or efficiency, not just with actual product, then I have to make the sometimes painful decision that they're not the right person for us. I would say that's another one when it comes to growth or in developing your business is sure, use your cousin that is free that can make the website for you. Of course, you might Mm -hmm. have to do that. But at a certain point, if that relationship is holding you back in some way, then prioritize putting money towards someone you don't know to make the site. Yeah, that's a tough choice. Totally. Especially if you don't have capital. 
And yeah, (laughs) yeah, then you want to I said yes to free everything in the very beginning. And then it was the slowly moving forward and being like, is this responsible of me to be asking this much of my family? Or is the is this kind of like responsible? Is this the best resource? us to be leaning on. Yeah. Sometimes it feels like free isn't exactly going to be on your timetable either. And I mean, it might meet your expectations. Yeah. But someone's going to prioritize free a lot lower than if they're, you know, they have a paying client. So I think that's probably a good move. Like you said, in the beginning, just to get your, you know, get your feet in the water. But I think once you're ready to jump in and really grow it, I think you're doing the right thing by (laughs) having to hire. And then it mitigates like resentment. Or right, straight yeah. in a relationship. And what's your take on hiring? You know, hiring can be a difficult decision for especially a small business. I will say from the very beginning, the things that seemed to be what was going to cost us the most money, research and development, design and labor. So knowing that if we're going to be a company that has to keep creating products, we have to prioritize how research and development goes. So that's its own category. Then design, I was like, okay, find someone that's cool that we can make an advisor and give a little bit of equity to that can be our designer so that we're not spending dollars every other week on design. We were trying to teach ourselves how to use Adobe Illustrator. At a certain point, you're like, okay, let's save those 15 hours of trying to give ourselves a college degree in a short amount of time and get someone to do it. And then yeah, Adobe's painful. Adobe's painful. I mean, Canva saves our lives. So like we use Canva every day to design mm-hmm. ads and to do stuff because we're not designers. But then we brought a designer on board. The other is labor and three founders is expensive. It could be. Mm-hmm. And that also was something that very beginning when we start talking to people to invest in us, we're like, wait a second, are three founders full time? Because that means that the money I give to you is going pretty much directly to paying you guys. We um, had a lot of hard talks about that. All of us have sacrificed a substantial amount to be able to work for free for the first year and a half, and then to pay ourselves very, very little, and for some of us to drop down hours so that we could uh, feel comfortable with how much work we were putting in and how much we were getting compensated, and being very strategic about how we expand our team. Super early on, we brought on a partner, a founding partner, and her name's Ellen Kellogg. Her background is also in brand strategy and product development. She is absolutely amazing. And Mia had worked with her before. She stepped into an advisor role. So she has equity in the business for the time that she gives us. Then we brought on Women Work, which were our moms that in some ways were a little bit pushed outside of the workforce or were trying to get in post-retirement and found Mm -hmm. it challenging. And I felt a lot of anger about that. (laughs) Wanted to have some sort of something that even if it was like something small that we could work together in some way. So we started that as like a um, company extension and they are Mm -hmm. our fulfillment team. And then added on another part-time role that would take some of the logistics away from the founders so that we're not getting caught in taking inventory or like caught up in ordering more of a certain supply and Mm -hmm. had an operations coordinator start with us. So I I guess- Yeah, that's great. Yeah. To answer your question, I think you have to be, you have to 
definitely be looking, always be looking three to six months ahead, if not farther, but don't go too far because you don't necessarily know that that's the right role or the right person. But kind of looking at earmarking from every piece that you sell, how much of it is going into labor because you have to plan for that. Otherwise, it will eat up everything. And how did you find the people that you've hired? Do you put out an ad? So with Nisa, a lot of what we do is asking our own captive audience. So when it comes to product innovation, even recently, we just asked a question on social media about the belly band on our packaging, because we realized that we know that those that are following, for instance, our Instagram, they understand Nisa already. Mm -hmm. They've been tracking the things that we're posting, and they're engaged with the company. Early on, we tried LinkedIn, but they don't necessarily know Nisa. So then we like, okay, wait a second. We took a step back and we would position it to our audience. And because already the first step, they already know Nisa. That, I think, streamlined the process much faster for us. So we had, for instance, the operations coordinator role, we had candidates come in from LinkedIn. And then we also had candidates come in from like the NISA network. And I'm really comfortable with hiring. We probably over interview, but I would do an interview and then they would talk to the greater team and then they would come into the space. So you just see people online. You're like, oh man, they look so sophisticated. And then they come into our space and they're like, they're like, you're eating Doritos for lunch. They're like, what? They're like, what's going on? And you're like, yeah, it's a startup. We want to make sure that no one is coming in with with skewed expectations. A lot of times, you'll interview someone and they'll think, although you put in the post that it's um, you know a part time position, that maybe this is going to turn into full time quickly. So I think mm-hmm. it's really important that you're constantly monitoring that you're on the same page and that you right. have the same expectations. Well, I think that's great advice that you're saying that you're pulling some of the candidates from somebody that already knows your brand because it does seem genius. I think more people should do that. Yeah. I also think that it gives people that are more engaged and more passionate because if they are following you on Facebook or your, you know, whatever on any of your channels, that means they probably feel pretty strongly about what you're putting out into the world. And right. They're kind of already a fan. Yeah. What advice do you have for someone wanting to start their own business? This is something that was said to me probably eight or 10 times, and I internally rolled my eyes, but now I fully agree. It's going to cost more and take longer than you anticipate. So keep in mind that the cost might not just be in dollars. It might be in you you personally sacrificing other opportunities. That's a big one. Your family participating or having to make adjustments and sacrifices and kind of like your sleep schedule having to be sacrificed. (laughs) And so think about if you think it's going to take me a year to get that software up and running, that's cool. And I hope it does. Now let's imagine just as a thought exercise, it's going to take two years. Can your family do that? Can your partner support that? Do you have enough runway with capital to support that? There might be a pandemic that happens, you know, five months after you yeah. launch your first product. Are you? Quite, quite yeah. literally. <laughs> so I, I would say my advice would be to be just very realistic in that way. And I don't mean that to scare off companies. But on the flip side, again, with a background in restaurants and bars, a bar that we had open for 15 years 
for the first time ever, has to be closed for three months. And that was not built into our model. But what we're seeing in the bar and restaurant industry is that so many were living day to day that they can't survive an interruption like that. And so when you're building your company, trying to think of ways, even if it's a revenue stream that you don't have to engage until an emergency happens or just opportunities that you can pivot if you have to and keeping yourself very nimble so that Mm -hmm. way you're able to adapt. I would also say feel passionate about what you're doing, but also balance that passion with research. I've participated in so many conversations or pitches when someone says, this is the the next big thing. This is the big white space. This is the big mm-hmm. opportunity. And I'll be like, man, I totally see that you're psyched on it. That's yeah, That's great. That's half of what you need. But the other half is... How much are you spending to get that customer? Do you have to convince every single customer through an ad or Google um, campaign? Do you have to spend like 10 bucks per customer to get them to realize it's the next best thing? So kind of doing the, the research and the next steps. Through other conversations that we had, it sounds like you do a ton of research. And I feel like that's probably the thing that gets you to understand what your next step needs to be and also create success. Otherwise, just your excitement won't get you there. It also gives you some backing. We do customer discoveries constantly, or sometimes even branching outside of the audience that Nisa already has. For instance, the number one uh, recommended product that doctors use in the United States after you give birth is called Dermaplast, which is an over-the-counter spray, aerosol spray that numbs any incision site. It is really bug bite spray. That's what dermoplast is. Oh, So we were like, nasty, we'll make this better. And that that was the first product that we were going to produce. But we started customer discoveries. So we asked strangers, we asked people who had babies 10 years prior, people who had babies four months prior, and just asked a lot of questions, not would you want a fancy dermoplast, but um, just asking what their needs had been. Overwhelmingly, people didn't care or interact with the spray just because doctors recommended it, just because we had that statistic, um, didn't necessarily mean that customers were purchasing it or using that. So we're like, oh Mm -hmm. man. So then we pivoted really early on. We would have lost lots of money if we had just gone with the thing that doctors recommend. Right. If that had been your focus. Exactly. So constantly tracking trends or diving into like um, market reports and trying to do our own audits. And sometimes that's even going to your local target and scanning the aisle and what products are being grouped together and what does the packaging look like? How can you differentiate or how should you fit in? Oh, I love that. Those are great tips, Eden. Well, where can we find you? Could you tell us a little bit about the podcast, the journals, and your website? Yes. So the best avenue is through Instagram, Nisa Care, because I can link to everything and it shows when we have new products coming out and our website and our new podcast. 
Season one is up on all the major podcast channels. But then season two, we've pushed it a bit. So that's supposed to come out uh, this summer. And then our journal is on our website. So our website is nisacare.com. And that's where you can purchase any of our products. And then also where you'll see our journal page. We're working on something right now. We have so many resources that we're meeting through these interviews and through different collaborations. And so someone is helping us create this kind of like interactive map so that you could see some of these resources like doula services or writers books that we've featured and they're all kind of collected into one spot and that will also be on the website oh that's perfect that's really helpful and then hopefully it'll expand right now we're broadening the conversation outside of that fourth trimester too kind of just talking broadly about womanhood and that is coinciding with the release of these other items. So we're trying to find ways that we can continue to collaborate and like kind of open up some of the resources that we have to outside of just directly after birth. That's awesome, Eden. Really cool. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. So there you have it, my friend, another handmade CEO creating change in a much needed market. I love that Nisa identified the desires of their ideal customers early on, and it's no coincidence that they happen to line up with the issues that Eden, Mia, and Aubrey were collectively facing as new moms. If you can identify a gap in the market, can confirm that there is a need for change, and you can rally the desire and motivation to create a solution, that, my friend, will guarantee you'll find a place and purpose in your new field. It won't come without its challenges, but what can be more rewarding than knowing that your courage to create is solving a problem? Nisa is offering 20% off at their site, nisacare.com. The link will be in the show notes. Be sure to share that coupon with a friend and sign up to receive emails on the new products that Nisa is developing. Believe me when I say that the products will be life-changing. Thank you so much for listening to the Handmade CEO podcast. Don't forget to check the show notes to get a glimpse of today's featured guest and special offers. If you love the show, leave a review and share this episode with a friend. Thanks for tuning in. Now it's your turn to start handcrafting your dream job 